Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Crosswires. It's James here. And this week, you know what? We've jumped the queue a little bit. We brought an episode forward because it's such an important topic and it's something that, you know, is happening right now. We are going to be talking about Mastodon, not the Power Rangers Megazord, Mastodon. No, no one. Bueller. No, okay, fine. Um, we're going to be talking about Mastodon, the social network, because of the huge exodus that's going on right now from Twitter, uh, as it's been... Well, we'll come to that. My guest this week, though, is really at the heart of all of this, because he's a server admin for a Mastodon instance that I think it's probably fair to say is maybe blown up over the, over the last few few days. Would you please welcome James Smith? Hello. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I will be really honest, I joined your instance, I think on maybe like Saturday or Sunday. And it, let's just be really honest, it was dog slow. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> it, things were not good. And I'm like, and of course you were uh, tooting. Is that the correct term, tooting? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. So you- Certainly, yeah. Uh- Everybody thinks it's quite odd, but then tweeting was quite odd back in the day as well, so... Yeah, so, you obviously were tweeting about all the problems, and there was announcements going up. I thought, you know what, I'll ask James if he wants to come on the show. The worst he can say is no, and you said yes, and here we are literally on the Monday recording. So, before we get into Mastodon and talking about what it is, why, and talking a little bit about the server fun and games. James, if you'd like to, would you like to tell people a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your background, the things that maybe excite you? Yeah, I can do. Um, So, yeah, I'm James. I'm a software engineer and technical guy for, well, as long as I've been around, pretty much. Um, Far too long, seen many phases of uh, the development of of the internet into the behemoth that we have today. I'm fairly stereotypical nerd, really. Got a shelf full of comic books and a you know office full of Lego, that kind of thing, <laughs> and uh, and I write code. Um, these days, I write code for public service stuff mostly, okay. which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Get to write things that make uh, make the world better, help people out a bit, which is nice. That is great, and I I highly approve of, Le- of the Lego and comic books. I. I will admit, I don't have enough Lego. It is all in the loft at my parents' place. Nobody does. No, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. And I can't afford some... You know, look, I've always wanted, like, a Death Star. Or, actually, yeah. at the moment, I'll be honest, what I'm after is probably the um, office set, the US office set that they've done. Uh, yeah, I've seen that, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a... Well, on the desktop front, I, I don't have one of those, but I do have a wall full of TIE Fighters, which is 
Is that an imperial shirt you're wearing? Do, uh, yeah, I, I just <laughs> it is. Actually, I just yes. spied that. Amazing! <laughs> oh, you're going to fit. And now I'm coming across much more obsessed than I actually am. <laughs> it's just it's coincidence. I, I mean, come on! I've got a Dell Mini Nine logic board stuck to my wall. I think there's a certain level of nerdiness assumed with this podcast. I think, yeah. Safe, safe. Uh, Safe to assume. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start with kind of the basics. Let's start with Mastodon because there's, I think there's two parts to this. There's Mastodon itself, and then, now correct me if I'm wrong, Mastodon is not the Fediverse, but it's part of the Fediverse. That's right. So let's start with Mastodon, and then we can move. Or actually, is it better to start with the Fediverse? Which way around do we want to do this? I think, yeah, let's start with the, with the Fediverse more generally, and then we can get on to Mastodon, uh, not the... Uh, Power Ranger villain, or the metal band, which is the reference I thought you were going to make. Oh, you see, that's, that's how sad I am. I'm more of a Power <laughs> Ranger. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Fediverse is a, a word that people won't have heard much of, probably. But in, in a way, it's sort of a new word, but it's not a new concept. So if we dive back a little bit into the history of the internet, the older style services existed on on the internet pre i don't know early 2000s so before things like twitter facebook stuff like that back then there were different services for doing different things different things running over the over the internet um the biggest one that everybody still uses is, is email right that's not the same type of thing as the web it's a different sort of service running over the same network and there were many others. There was IRC, which was like Slack. Yep. <laughs> or rather, Slack is like IRC. In fact, it was an IRC bridge at, at the very beginning. And correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Twitch chat still run on IRC? Does it really? And someone told me that Twitch chat... That would be cool. I think I will double check that, but I'm pretty sure... That's interesting. <laughs> See, the thing is there, what we're talking about is... What we, we talk about a lot of these days is... is some website or other, this website, that website, whatever. What we're talking about here is protocols and the languages between those servers. So I'm on a server and I write an email. My server can talk SMTP to another server and deliver that email to you. The same with IRC. We can connect to different servers across the world and the messages communicate between them. And this is a sort of core part of the development of the internet, right? The internet is a decentralized distributed system. There is no center. There is no primary uh, mediator of all that traffic. So if part of it gets damaged, the routing goes around it. You know, famously, the internet was designed as a way of keeping communications going in the event of nuclear war, right? For... Large parts of the network get taken out, but it doesn't matter. I mean, that matters very much to the people who were in the bit that, but you know yeah, what I mean? I <laughs> to the network, the information still flows, which is why it's all, you know, sort of originally DARPA funded in the US and things like that. It was fault tolerant network. And that's allowed it to scale massively uh, into what we know today. And then on top of that, you've got things like the web and the web is absolutely fantastic. It makes things so much richer and uh, easier to build. And the fact that that's all anyone really knows these days is is testament to the, the power of that. That's a really good point because the a lot when pe- I think I, I see it more and more, people use the term internet for the web. They, they have become yeah. 
So, yeah. but they are different things. But World Wide Web was created by Sir Tim Berners Lee in Tim Berners Lee, I think yeah. in ninety some early nineties or eight. No, <laughs> no, I'm wrong. First came online in eighty nine, I believe. Oh, one year short. So there you go. And I believe <laughs> I have to know that I used to uh, work for a company that he was uh, a uh, on the board of. Oh so, wow! Uh, okay, <laughs> and didn't that. Correct me if I'm wrong, you know, we were a bit of an Apple fanboy show. Uh, I believe that he started that all from his Next. It was, yeah, Next Keep. Yeah. Yep. Which, um, great machine. And there's a, uh, I, I went to CERN once and, and they had the uh, the thing, I think it might be in London, in the Science Museum at the minute. Ooh. Uh, it has a there's a next cube and it has a sticker on the front saying server do not turn off. Nice. There's, a, there's the entire web at one point. Um, Love it. And uh, he wrote a paper on it and his uh, his boss wrote on the paper vague but interesting. So you know, mm, okay, humble beginnings. But the web also to pick up the thread there is a protocol, right? It's a language for machines to talk to each other. It's a language for your browser to talk to any web server in the world. And what's happened over the last couple of decades, I suppose, really since the early 2000s, since the creation of the, the, the sort of the web 2.0 explosion, which is probably now such an old term that some people don't even know it. And it just makes me realize how old I am. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm feeling the same way. Don't worry. Lots of, yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of money came into it, right? And, and venture capital and things like that. And, Venture capital needs to have a return on these things. All of these other services, like they were, they were, okay. So some of them were sort of small scale commercial stuff, but they weren't collecting together the vast scale. And if you're a VC, that's what you want, right? You want people into your platform and you want them to stay there and never go anywhere else. So we end up with the walled gardens. We end up with, uh, with Facebook, with Twitter, with, Instagram with whatever other things that I can't keep up with, but all these little systems that all are their own thing. And we think of, you know, we, we say, you know, what's your address on Twitter, right? It would be like saying it's like everyone having an email address on the same server, which arguably does happen with Gmail a lot. Yes. Um, And again, that's sort of centralized. What is a very decentralized protocol? So this sort of this, the, the internet is historically decentralized and spread about all over the place. And a lot of the, the ethos of the early internet was around sort of small communities and, and things like that to, to sort of find, you know, to explore and find what, where you were, where you belonged in this world. And, um, I mean, I guess if we go far enough back into the, you know, the eighties and the eight bit micros, we look at BBSs as a, Great example yeah, of yeah, yeah. decentralization. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I remember the BBS that I used to dial up to. I remember when it got a connection to the internet and suddenly you could connect to people on other BBSs. It's like, ooh, I can talk to people outside of Ipswich. Hey. This is, they're, they're strange and terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> but not as strange and terrifying as the ones in Ipswich. But it, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it's this agglomeration of small networks, right? I mean, that's literally what the internet is. It is a network of networks. So this stuff is in its DNA, right? Really, really deep down. And that's a very long way of going around the entire history of the internet to talk about what we're now calling the Fediverse, which is, it's exactly this kind of distributed system for 
other applications that, that haven't been done that way before. So you have a bunch of servers around the world all talking to each other over a common protocol. Uh, in this case, ActivityPub is the uh, the standard that uh, that's used between them all. And then you have a bunch of different uh, servers running different bits of software that can all talk that common language. And so uh, you have a, a single network made out of all these different servers, all these people around the world on their own uh, instances, but working in a way that is like something that we would use on the, the sort of the more centralized web. So Mastodon, for instance, is a Twitter-like microblogging platform. So you can uh, go, you can go to a Mastodon server. Uh, others are available. We'll come to that, I guess, in a minute. But if you come to a server that's running Mastodon, you will have a Twitter-like interface. You can uh, follow people on other servers. You can write updates, and they will travel across the Fediverse to uh, to whoever's following you in a in a decentralized way. And nothing can can take out that network if one server goes down. It doesn't matter. Uh, whereas if Twitter goes down. Anyone remember Fail Whale? I don't think I've seen a Fail Whale for a very long time, but back in the early days of Twitter. In the early days, absolutely. Fail Whale was a uh, a common occurrence, yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. So, let's say um, let's say that some another Mastodon instance goes down. Let's say um, the one we actually have cross wires on, um, because, and this is something we'll come to, is you do want to sort of pick, maybe pick which instance you're going on to to make sure it's relevant, maybe. So Crosswise is currently on masthead.social. If that went down, well, the only thing that happens then is that people on masthead.social won't be able to, to won't be able to see other people's to, toots, and, and that thing will be down, but mastodon.me.uk will still be up. And... Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I assume... And this is probably going to lead to, you know, obviously when we talk about the actual server side stuff, when it comes back on, it starts sending out those activity pub updates again and vice versa. It starts receiving them. So eventually things will catch up. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. So this whole thing is built asynchronously because the the messages have to travel, right? Again, like email, I don't have to make a synchronous connection to your server to email you. It's... It, it, it's you know it's it's buffered various places along the way, so yeah, all these things are. There's a term in um, in computing called eventual consistency, right? Which is at some point when all of the things get processed, all the information will be in all the places, right? And that's sort of fundamental to the the design of of these things um, and of the internet in general. And let, let's come a little bit then to well, let's talk about what Mastodon because Mastodon is a sort of a, is a micro blogging site. In terms of the sort of content, it's Twitter like. Um, there's more characters. Mm-hmm. You've still got image uh, image um, support. Um, polls are there. There's um, you can't edit toots at the moment. I believe you can't at the moment. I think that might. Becoming in I've, version four. I've heard I can't remember. I've heard that's coming. But what, it's it's been worked on. It's been asked for for a a long time. Well, yeah, um, you don't have to pay you know eight dollars a month just to be able to to edit your <laughs> your toots. And we will come to a funding model of God. Is that going into the eight dollar tier? Is it? Is that what's? Uh, 
Oh, That's so one of the features. I believe so. Yeah, editing tweets is a Twitter Blue exclusive right now. Lovely. Yeah, thanks, Elon. There's a few things it doesn't have. So one of the mm-hmm. probable one of the problems of Twitter is that it's very easy to go and almost go like uh, submarine style hunting, search and destroy to go and search for mm-hmm. specific terms. You know, if you're wanting to harass someone, you might go and search for all tweets that contain a, a keyword, maybe, you know, LGBTQ or, uh, you know, Amiga fans, if you happen to be in the tower, if you're control out Reese and oh, want to... Uh, can't stand Amiga fans, really. It's, yeah. You've hit my buttons there. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you my first computer was an Amiga 600 then. Um, oh, I assumed it was. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. So, but full text search like you get on Twitter just isn't a thing on on Mastodon. And there's a lot of things that just aren't there, but I think there's a lot of things by design that aren't there. So, quote, quote, tweets. I'm I'm trying to... Quote tweeting is the big one. Because, again... Yeah, quote... I said quote tweeting, but whatever. Quoting of things is... Quoting? Quoting? Quote, quote, yeah. There isn't a word for it because it's not a thing, right? And that's a very... So the uh, Eugene, who's the, the guy who's built uh, Mastodon, has initially uh, built that software and leads the open source team that uh, that's still building it, uh, has taken a very human-centered approach to what features go in, what don't. I don't know if you've come across the uh, humane tech uh, organization or idea that actually a, a whole lot of these web 2.0 companies, because they need you on their platform. They need you in the walled garden. They need you to stay there. They not necessarily even intentionally, but the optimization of the algorithms that they use means that they continually push more and more engaging content at you. I mean, YouTube is the classic example of this, like, you know, examples of, YouTube radicalizing people who just started out watching cat videos uh, uh, all over the place, right? And we see this through recent politics and COVID and, and all these sort of conspiracy theories that are exploding everywhere. Those are in a huge part driven by these algorithms that optimize for engagement. So being aware of that and explicitly choosing not to do some things that are part of that is, is a big part of, um, of, I think, uh, of, of Mastodon particularly, but, you know, Fediverse in general, I think it, it's, you know, we, we know that there are things in social media that are really bad for people. Um, and I speak as somebody who's been through that whole process, right? I was on Twitter very, very early on. Uh, I used it a hell of a lot. Um, it, got to the point where it just made me feel worse about things. And eventually I managed to break the habit. You know, we, we've, I think we've all felt some of that. And so taking this sort of humane approach to, to designing the software and, and what features go in and what don't, uh, is I think a really great thing about that, this particular platform and quote, uh, tweeting is one of those things because it seems like a really nice, simple idea, but you end up with, you know, people, quote, tweeting things at their followers to amplify them for abuse. You know, ah, look at what this idiot's doing. And then everybody piles on, right? So it's an intentional choice. You know, it's been requested many times. It will be requested many times more. I'm sure it's being requested a lot at the moment with all the new people coming in to the network. 
Um, but it's an intentional choice not to do it. It's nice to be on a platform that is, I mean, it's all open source. It's all openly developed and you can see what's going on behind the scenes. You can go and read these decisions, right? And that's one thing, of course, you can't do with the other ones. Um, I mean, you can read Twitter's decisions at the moment because Elon's just making them all up on the fly on Twitter. I think he's got a random number generator and just like comes up with. He's <laughs> got some dice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's roll two d six to generate tweet. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a very good point, though, because it's open source. Now that means that no company controls it. Um, as far as I'm aware, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, the concept of advertising on Mastodon isn't even a thing. There are no ways to put ads into a Mastodon feed. There's certainly nothing built into the software. No, you could, if you wanted to. You could have a brand account and you could write things saying how great your brand is, but then they'd have to reach people organically or they'd have to actually be popular or boosted or things like that. So it's, they're playing by the same rules as everybody. It's a level playing field. So it's not, you can't pay for, exactly. Yeah. You can't, you can't pay for, uh, for exposure. And correct me for, and a lot of, a lot of instances have a no advertising rule. Yeah. So yeah, you've touched on. I think one of the other fundamental things there is that you have all of these instances around the world that are all run by different people, right? I mean, it's you, you've got me here on this podcast, but I am just one instance, admin, mm. right? I happened to, I was sat in a bar in London between meetings sometime in, I think, 2017, something like that, a long time, God, when... Mastodon got mentioned somewhere. I think it was one of the early releases, things like that. And I thought, well, we'll have a go, see what that's all about, and got it up and running, and it worked. And it's been going ever since. So I'm just some guy. It's my server, my rules, right? So, but we can state very clearly what those rules are. And they're, you know, before you sign up, you can see what the rules are. The, the one I'm trying to run is, is supposed to be very much a sort of personal instance for individuals. You know, it's not for, we don't allow, um, corporate accounts. We do have a, we bend those rules for sort of non-profit type things. So we have a, a there's a couple of charities on there and a, a couple of organizations that are, you know, not trying to sell you something. Let me ask you a direct question on that one, man, because it, it you mm. know, it's one of the reasons that Crosswise isn't on your instance. And I want to make sure that I'm <laughs> clarifying this. Are we talking about brand advertising? So sort of, you know, oh, let, let's take a popular brand. Let's say... Uh, McDonald's, for example. I mean, popular is a, maybe a subjective term, but certainly a big... Brand. Popular with my children, certainly. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they would be out there saying, oh, come and try the new Big Mac. It's got 45% more junk in it, or 45% more cardboard for the burgers. <laughs> that's that's obviously blatant advertising. But what about someone promoting their content and, you know, like genuinely sort of... Yeah, again, our, our, our show, you know, because I will obviously boost cross-wire stuff what, yeah. what's the yeah. does that fall into a for you at least and would you say maybe the general community is that something that people want to be seen or is because I, I think i'm getting the impression but the way to handle this is very different probably because you've got more characters to work with maybe very different to how twitter would would do it yeah that's a really interesting question and what i look forward to finding out the answer to right <laughs> so i mean this is the world we're in right where so all, all the all the instances have different rules, 
right? I mean, there's a, a lot of commonality, but there are different rules in, in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I want to follow the, the Crosswires uh, podcast, I can do that on Masthead, was it? Uh, masthead.social, yeah. So I can type in Crosswires at masthead.social and I can follow it from whatever server I'm on. If I want to follow you, I can do that too. So the, so the, the sort of choice of what you let, let people do isn't, doesn't feel quite the right word, but wh- how you want your community to behave, mm. I suppose, yeah. because what these, what these instances end up being is communities, little communities that it's like a, a small community in a larger whole, right? So you have instances that are focused around a particular group of people. Uh, you have instances that are focused uh, geographically. So mine is just a general UK server. I mean, anybody could join from anywhere, but you know, it's going to be more relevant to uh, to people in the UK. And you have the uh, the timelines are both there. There are two main, uh, three main timelines really. There's the people that I follow, not sorry, the people that you follow as a as a as user, your, as a master your, user, yeah, your user. Yes, thank you. Um, then you have the local timeline, which is made up of things that people are writing on your server. Okay. And then you have the federated one, which is everything that your server can see across the the other the rest of the network. Wow. And so you end up with this sort of community in the local timeline of you know people who've also chosen the same space as you based on the rules, based on the personality of it, you know, whatever. And then you have the, the wider world. And getting that setting those rules, it's about working out what type of community you want to have. And I think the the thing I'm aiming for is a quite a sort of a, a personal community of individuals doing good stuff. But these are all inherently, you know, people do a lot of stuff. People make things, they create them. I I made a bunch of stuff, and I certainly want to be able to talk about that. And we did have working out the edges of these rules is going to be interesting as the network grows, right? Actually, okay, somebody comes on and posts a link to their Patreon, right? Is that commercial use? I don't think it is. No. Because, okay, they're asking for supporters, but they're not saying, hello, yes, I am a brand, buy this thing. Right. It's it's different. And, th- and then there's a spectrum, right? So we have a on the server that I look after, the rule is that generally sort of brand and corporate accounts are not going to be let on. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, the, the company that I work for, we're wondering about whether it should have a, whether they should be looking at uh, the Fediverse as a thing. Mm. I'm like, well, yeah, you, you can do, but you, you're you not coming on, not here, on here because yeah. we don't do that. No, we don't, that's <laughs> not what but there's loads of others, and that's fine, right? And there's, there's some interesting stuff to talk about there as well. But yeah, people make stuff. People do boost things of, you know, th- there's no rule against you boosting podcast. something yeah. else that you've seen that's interesting, right? Yeah, totally. So... But we work these rules out, I think, together, as all communities do. And that's the that's the thing. There isn't a invisible moderator book somewhere. There is a set of humans who are visible, who you know who they are, who are making these decisions, who've written this stuff down, where you can see it. And we work that out as a community, I think. If the community wants to... I mean, you see it in things like subreddits, right? Mm-hmm. You know, subreddits will come up with their rules about what is and isn't allowed. So yeah, so you've made up a lot, not made up, but you've 
deciding on the rules that you want on your server. And I think you were about to touch on something that's very interesting because obviously you as a server admin and users themselves can choose to block other instances. Yeah, absolutely. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I heard a story, and again, this is one of those things where you hear stories, but there was a a, a far-right instance, mm-hmm. maybe, I think, well, let's just be honest, it was a Nazi instance that spun up, mm-hmm. and I think the vast majority of instances on said, nope, and put them into a block list straight away. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things with the Federation is that you can choose, you know, I have control over which instances I allow to, to talk to to ours. Um and yeah, this is not just one far right instance. There are a load of them. You know, the internet is full of trolls, right? And I mean the I mean probably the the most obvious ones is uh Trump's truth.social. Oh yeah. That was a Mastodon instance. They didn't admit it for a good while, but it was. Gab I think had a uh I think they were running one as well. Wow. Um but there's a whole load of them. There's a whole load of them. Yeah, we could choose not to not to take anything from those. So when you report a, a thing that you've seen, um, as moderators, we have control over, okay, do we want to, uh, do we want to limit that account? So actually it will still be seen by people who are following it, but it won't appear anywhere publicly. Right. Um, or people won't see boosts from it, things like that. Uh, or we can suspend completely. And we can do that at the server level as well as the individual. So there's a lot of control. Um, and yeah, there are some that just spring up and are like, no, this is just, this is, I mean, this one literally has a swastika as the symbol. Let's not. Let's not do that. Yeah. Know? Let's, let's not. And, and, and you know, if we're going to be free speech absolutists about things like Elon, they can do what they like over there. Yeah. And that's fine. And I don't need to listen. And that's so. And that's the interesting thing. I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. And again, it's community. You know, we're building the rules for our community and who we do or don't want to hang around with, and that's fine. It's human. I think it's much more human than having. I mean, Twitter's current uh, woes of being run by somebody who thinks that uh, you know. Everyone should be allowed to say whatever they like without any consequence, unless it's about him. Indeed. <laughs> In which case, yep. you can't do that. No. Nope. Um, you know, there's there's no there's no one quite as snowflakey as a as somebody who accuses everyone else of being snowflakes, right? That's always been true. Um, so yeah, you can build the the community that you want, and all this stuff is visible, right? You can see before you sign up. You can see which instances we do not federate with. There's a list. They're right there. It's not a very pleasant reading list because even the domain names are unpleasant. But they're there, and you can see. Uh, and again, different instances make their own choices over those things. I mean, a great example. So Jay, my co-host, she is on an instance that is, you know, dedicated to the LGBTQ AI space. Mm-hmm. And they have chosen to not federate with a list, uh, you know, a bunch of servers that are known to host people who are not, shall we say, not favourable to that to that group of people. Yeah. And, you know, again, you might have um, maybe a Jewish community. You know, unfortunately, we've got rising anti-Semitism at the moment, which is yeah, not okay, absolutely. folks. You know, let, let's just be really clear. 
they could choose, well, let, let's not federate with these people. And again, it means that you've got that choice. You can still follow anyone on any instance that you are, that your instance is federated mm-hmm. with. And yeah. it doesn't, you can still see the whole federated timeline again, based on what's federated with. But it means, I think you hit the nail on the head. You are choosing to engage with a community and that means you've got a bit more control over what you see. Whereas on Twitter, yeah. and, and let's be honest as well, when when I report, if I report something, it goes to you and your team. It doesn't go to some central Mastodon art, uh, server, yeah. uh, so, uh, moderation team. It's going to you and you decide, actually, this doesn't fit with our rules, so we're going to do yeah. this. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think, is it's really, well, it's really human. Mm. I think that's the thing. It's more, it's more human. There, there is, we don't have town squares where everybody just goes and rants at things and everyone has to stand and listen to them. That doesn't, that's not the real world, right? No. So I can walk off. I can go and listen to somebody else. So I can do that. And I think the, you know, this, this produces much more human networks. Absolutely. Which I think are what we really need to build on the internet are, are these sort of truly human networks. And yeah, people will say, oh, it's just an echo chamber of people who think alike. Well, that's, that sounds quite nice, to be honest. I don't need to engage with right-wing trolls every single day. If I want to, I can go do that. Yeah. But I don't need to do it a lot of the time. Sometimes I just want to hang out with my mates. Absolutely. And that's lovely. These are human communities we're building. This isn't a a free speech platform built on a particular view of the world and of those words, which are definitely not the what I would consider the correct use of those. No, not at all. Um, and I'm not going to stop anyone saying anything. They could just say it somewhere else. It's fine. That's it. That's the whole thing. Now, here's there's a few things I want to. I, I do want to get to what happened over the weekend with mm-hmm. with this mass influx. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before I do that, there's one other thing that I think I love the most about Mastodon. Because, so, I don't know if you remember back in the day with Twitter, you had great third-party apps. Twitter never had their own app. Oh, yeah. yeah. Twitter's app, if I remember correctly, was actually, um, was Tweety. They bought uh, an app called Tweety. Was, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 you're right. And, That's a good memory. Yeah. They bought TweetDeck as well. I used to work in the same office as TweetDeck. Ah. So, yeah, they bought Tweety, they bought TweetDeck. And back in the day... Every Twitter app had the same access to all the features through the API. And then Twitter started changing the API. And only the official app got certain things. Yeah. The glory days, as I like to think of it. I mean, that's, that's the world that got me on there. That's, that was the, the early days for Twitter. It was exciting, right? You know, I joined because there was an account for Tower Bridge and it would tweet when it opened. Oh, that was amazing. It was just like, oh my God, things have voices. You know, you could do so much interesting stuff with it. And because that didn't feed the profitability of it all, that got taken away. And you do end up with a very restricted set of, of apps that are clients of the things. You know, there was, there was a, a plethora of them. And now there's, well, are there any others? I don't know. Probably not. There are still third-party Twitter apps. You know, I use I use Tweet, but they can't do everything. I they guess. can't do everything. No, they are very limited. Uh, notifications are incredibly lim- limited. So, for example, I use Tweetbot on iOS. Tweetbot, oh, Tweetbot yeah. is wonderful, 
but I can't get notifications of you know. And this is maybe more relevant from a you know from a podcast account. I can't get notifications mm. of likes and we retweets after you know when we mm. put out the show. I remember when that stuff left Tweetbot. Actually, it was like, oh right, okay, this is right. This is no good anymore. But because Mastodon is open source, yep. every instance, every app has the same API. Now they might be developed differently. Yep. So you know, um, one thing to say the um, official mobile app for iOS, it's actually really good, but it has a few confusing bits and pieces. Like the timelines are hidden behind community. It's quite hard to find the local timeline. You've got to know what you're looking for. When the local timeline got busy on the server that uh, that we're on, uh, I actually I stopped using it. I was like, oh, no, wait, no, I can't see the all the stuff going on. I'm going to go back. Um, I use one called Toot, which is really nice. It has a picture of an elephant. Oh, nice. It, it's really cute. I'm I'm using uh, <laughs> Jay recommended Metatext to me, which works. For- I've not heard of that one before. Good, it's, but, it's yeah. Someone mentioned it today. And on my Mac, I'm using one called Masternaut, which is mm, I'm not using one on the Mac. I why did I I wanted to try something that meant I wasn't constantly switching browser tabs. Ah, now here's one of a good thing. Mm. You can of course um, have multiple accounts on one instance, but because you can. You can but because or in many instances in many instances now that now this is one big thing of course is that with twitter i you know i have to sign into both my twitter you know, the crosswires and my personal one and let twitter sort of let me switch between them but because i've got accounts on two different instances i can just go to the instance url for each one and there's no you know they are completely separate logins uh, my password manager one password handles them you know just as two separate sites it does work really well. Mastodon, by the way, folks, does have two-factor support. It does have TOTP two-factor support, so mm-hmm. do go and yep. turn that on. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know what? It works well. The only thing I have seen a genuine problem with, and I think this is going to lead us into our next little bit of discussion, is the confirmation emails seem to take an age to come through now. <laughs> now then, I'm guessing that's because of how busy all these instances I can tell are. you why that is, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about the last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, obviously, with Mastodon being a Twitter-like platform, the changes at Twitter have driven a lot of people onto it. Mastodon is not Twitter. The Fediverse is not Twitter. But a lot of people have come looking for a similar kind of experience so I've ended up on Mastodon instances. There are others. There is uh, Pleroma. GNU Social might even still be a thing. I'm not sure. Um, but there are other things that, that speak activity about, right? So it's not all about Mastodon. But thinking about my service, we we had a few users, you know. It was, it was small enough that I could know everybody who was regularly using it, you know, and it tootled along nicely. I'd, I'd sort of made the decision to properly leave Twitter about six months ago when... Elon first talked about buying it out mm-hmm. when when he you know made his possibly uh, ill advised joke about buying it and then they held him to it which is just hilarious. Yeah, um, I mean, Freuder is is magnificent. I mean, I, I feel terrible for everybody whose livelihoods depend on that platform, right? I mean, can I just say one thing on that? Is Twitter firing their accessibility experience team? Oof. That's not a good look. And I think a lot of their trust and safety team too. Mm. Hi. No, guys. No, that's that's not good. Yeah. 
I, I guess that's just quickly, that's one advantage of an open source platform is if there are bugs in accessibility, guess what? People can contribute. Oh, yeah. And, and, and people do. Yeah. All the time. I think I, I even put something in at one point. I think it's, it's I think it was only in the readme or something like that, but Still. it's, you know, my, my name is on there in a tiny, tiny corner. Um, <laughs> but that's what I love about open source. I mean, I'm, I'm an open source dev myself and that's just, it's so powerful in that sense. Oh, it's broken. I can fix it. But one, I mean, one interesting thing with Mastodon in particular is that a lot of open source projects are terrible at usability and things because you don't have, you know, a whole well-rounded team building all these things, you know, the graphic designers, the, the UX people, all, all of these things that the researchers building stuff. Mastodon's done a really good job of being an open source project that is really pleasant to use and that works pretty damn well. Um, and is always improving. So I think that's why it's got, it's got traction in that area. But yeah, going back, I've gone off on tangent after tangent here. Sorry. <laughs> going back to, to the last week. So Elon announced he was buying, he was going to try and buy the thing. That's when I left Twitter. And, and then there's been a, a sort of a steady, steady increase, you know, for the last few years, really in, in the network, but it's not been big. You know, there've been particular communities have grown, but then a couple of weeks ago when he actually bought it, when the sale actually went through, we had a bit of a, a boost in numbers. It's like, oh, this, this is, this is nice. This is a, there's a few people, you know, there's more people turning up each day. That's oh, quite pleasant. Nice little organic growth. Lovely. Um, and then he decided to fire everybody and the exodus started, right? The meltdown of the platform and, and the exodus started and, uh, the, the numbers just went up and up and up. And on Friday, I thought, okay, I think it might be getting a bit busier. And so I, uh, recruited some other moderators because we moderate the account. So you can't just sign up for an account. You have to be moderated and, um, it's, it helps if you write a little reason into why you're joining the server. I read so many Elon Musk insults in that field. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we do that to prevent spam, yeah. right? We had a spam sign up problem at one point. So I made it that I had to check the accounts. And on Friday, I thought, okay, this is going to be, uh, you know, if I, if I want to go for it, it's nice to allow them quickly. If I'm going out for the evening or something like that, then uh, there might be a bit of a key. So I'll recruit some people and they'll help. So I got a few people that I know and trust. Um, I do want to make that more democratic, actually have the community select their own moderators, uh, over time because we can do that, but select a few people I know and trust. And I said, look, I, it's really just about like if I go away for the weekend and there are 20 people who want accounts that somebody can deal with it by Friday evening, it had started and we had, I think a couple of hundred new accounts had signed up just that afternoon. Wow. And we got to, I think I went to bed on Friday night and the instance had hit a thousand people, a thousand accounts, which was pretty big. And the moderators had sort of taken my, what if 20 people signed up over the weekend thing and got, mm, right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> just maybe. I was just thinking, oh, thank God I recruited some more people this morning <laughs> just in time. But then there was a, uh, somebody with quite a high profile on Twitter joined the server and they tweeted a really useful thread about what Mastodon was all about, how you 
could join it and things like that. And they said, and I went here. And then on Saturday, well, we turned off, I turned off signups at about midday on Saturday when we had knocking on 1800 people. We'd had seven, well over 700 that morning. Wow. And we, we approved them all, but it was just like this. Okay. This is mad. And at that point, then after I closed off the signups, it was like, wait a minute. This, yeah, it's getting slow. This is, this is slowing down. Right. So a lot of the work of Mastodon is done behind the scenes by background processing, uh, things. And we had a certain number of queues and a certain number of things processing those. I, I think on Saturday morning, it was four background workers and that was fine for normal use. They do things like they rebuild the timelines. They send notifications. They send emails and they do federation with other, other things. So a lot of the work, those. Four background queues had, I think when I looked at it, it was about 200,000 jobs in them. Wow. And they have a latency figure on them, and they were running, well, the Federation queue was running about 18 hours behind. Wow. Uh, the notification queue was running about four hours behind. And I thought, oh, that's why nobody's getting any emails or anything like that. So... What I was most impressed with, I'm, I'm a technical architect in, in my day job. What I was most impressed with, it stayed up, right? Under all that load, the server was really being hammered by this vast influx of people because it was not specced for that, right? It, not at all. Uh, the, the plan I was, I was running it on, we use a hosting provider called Mastohost and the plan I was running on is built for about 50 active users. And we'd just gone for like 1700. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this was not, <laughs> this was not normal, but the site stayed up and I've been building things on the web for a long time. That's bloody impressive. It slowed down. Things didn't get delivered quickly. We got to all see very clearly what eventual consistency means, right? Eventual consistency is like maybe tomorrow. Yeah. But interestingly, this is what happens behind the scenes in all of these big things anyway. You just don't see it because it's well specced. Is that why when I'd followed some people and vice versa, it wasn't actually showing? Probably didn't show up for a yes. while. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because they wouldn't show in your timeline until the timeline processes have caught up. Right. So it's what I've been doing since then over the weekend is continually watching those queues and continually bumping up the, the number of processes that we've got working through them. I'm hoping where it is now that it, it, it got behind a little bit during the busy time of the evening. I'm hoping overnight we'll get back to, to real time on everything and then it will continue to stay up to date tomorrow. But we'll see. We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> and you, you talked about obviously this masto.host. I know, for example, hmm. they've closed signups for new instances at the moment. Yeah. Because they're probably swapped. Yeah, he's, he's been busy. Yeah. yeah. So what, what architecture does this run on? Is this just, you know, comparable to say a, uh, you know, like a digital ocean droplet or is it a specific thing? Is there a lot of work in the background you have to do to, to set up a Mastodon instance? So when I first started the server, it was doing exactly that. It was running on a digital ocean droplet. Um, and I think it was, I'm not sure when I first started, I don't think it was even running in a Docker container. I think Docker build was, was later, but yeah, you can run one up in Docker. That's, that's no problem. I have looked after many things over the years that have decided I don't want to bother doing that anymore. So there's a hosting provider called Masterhost who, who popped up a few years ago that will provide that for you. And honestly, I don't know what it's running on. 
and I don't care. So it's all I know is how many processing yeah, threads I've got right. and what the queue looks like. I see. So it's like it's managed. It's managed. Yeah. Ho- it's like it's managed. It's, yes, it's managed. it's like the equivalent of a WordPress managed hosting plan, but just for Mastodon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Now, that that's what we're running on. Other ones do very different things. Mastodon.social, I think, is on. You know, it's a, it's all its own cloud hosting. For God knows what their scale is, it must be enormous. Yeah, because we're one of the bigger. Um, the biggest that's the the primary uh, instance, really. That's the one that often a lot of people join first before they bounce off to another one. But then, you know, some people are just running it on a Docker container on a on a Pi, probably for little private instances. Because there's nothing to say you can't have your own private instance with only one one account. That's true. Or maybe like an internal. You can, you can completely self-host an internal company one, maybe. Yeah. So there's some really interesting things that you can do with this. So Dan Hahn wrote a thing the other day. This has been an idea that's been floating around for a long time, but he he put it really nicely. News organizations or other things like that, run your own instance, right? That way, we know that the stuff coming from those accounts is from you. We It's verified by the architecture of the internet, not by a blue tick. I like that. Somebody else suggested... You could run one of these for a school year or class oh. and not federate anywhere else, not federate out at all your own little private social network, which I really like the idea of. Or you could federate it with just the other school years. Just a few other things, exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. Or companies running their own, right? So what I would love to see advertising on the Fediverse, right? I wouldn't love to see advertising. I don't like advertising. Some people do. Whatever. Okay, yeah. Companies run your own instance, right? Give us an official account on your domain. And yeah, you can, you'll have to change how you do the marketing in order to get reach. But you know, we've all had to do that over the last few years anyway. I think there's a lot of interesting things you could do that. I think the news one's particularly exciting. Uh, there's a really good example of that though, which is that for a while, years, the EU has run a, uh, an instance where all of the EU organizations have their official Fediverse accounts are on that domain. It's a, it's a Europa.eu ah. domain and they all do their official communications from it. And it's brilliant. It's, it, it feels like how it should be, right? You know, I know that I've got an email from you because you've, you know, sent it from the right address and spam notwithstanding and. Okay, bad example. Email's horrendously insecure. But <laughs> no, I know it's coming from you. It's on the domain. I can see you out there. Yeah, and if you're using a reputable email host like, um, you know, our episode that was uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had, you know, Helen from Fastmail come and talk to us all about why Fastmail that's- is, you know, a great a great solution. You know, we're going to pimp those guys out a little bit. But, yeah, that's a really good point. You got, If you've got, so, for example, let's say the Financial Times have a – have a Mastodon instance. Or, you know, I think of all the local newspapers. So, for example, down here in Bournemouth, we have a Daily Echo. Now, they are a NewsQuest yep. publication. NewsQuest could have a social.newsquest. Could do. Dot yeah. whatever. And you would know that they're verified because that is, when I say verified, you know that anyone who's got an account on that is more likely to be a genuine news quest because, again, they'll have that moderation. And you could have, you know, Bournemouth Echo at social.newsquest.whatever. Or individual journalists. Right, yeah. You know, so I think there's some really interesting stuff in this architecture around trust because, you know, no matter what the Elon 
fanboys. I want to have a better name for them, but it's it's very much converging around him. So we'll just use him as. Oh, I've got one. Musketeers. Musk. Oh, nice. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, no matter what they what they think about the, you know, everybody wants the blue tick, right? It's a status symbol. It's not a status symbol. It is saying that you are who you say you are. But it's become this this status symbol. I am who as I am because it's on this domain. Yes. And, you know, I'm using the architecture of the internet to prove this stuff. So it's much more meaningful, I think. And there's some, I think we'll see some really exciting stuff happening with with these kinds of platforms. And it's important to, to note as well that, I mean, I've skimmed over this completely, but the, the Fediverse is, there is the Twitter-like stuff, like Mastodon, Pleroma, others but there are other things out there uh pixel fed is a a service that is very much like instagram um i saw that today bookworm yeah. it's a lot like goodreads peertube i think you can probably guess is you know a federated sort of youtube version there is one for sound and i can't remember what it is funk whale that's what it's called uh for um it's it's like soundcloud-ish at some point we'll get over using all of these it's like this takes me back to the, the days of stupid startups. Like, it's Uber for dogs. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's probably a thing. Uber woofs is probably a thing now. They seem to do everything else. I was about to, I was um, about to say something, but I'll re- I won't say a, a particular Uber brand that could work. Could, let's just say, if you remember, are you being served at Mrs. Slocum? You will know the reference I'm about to make, and I'm not going to go there. Right. See, my mind went... I don't know why, to uh, sheep delivery via Uber, which would be Uber Bleats, obviously. Um, I think I think that might be the best thing I do all week, to be fair. I think I've peaked now. <laughs> Uber Bleats. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, I'm totally throwing myself off track. You, you've, got, you've gone all the way. You've gone all the way down the main line, off the branch line. You're into beaching territory now <laughs> in terms of rail network. I think, I think I'm on the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a disused... Railway line in the middle of the uh, the Sussex countryside. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? I was. We're talking about other, uh, other Fediverse. Oh, the other things. Yes, the things, the other services. And the really, really cool thing is that you don't have to be on the same type of service to follow them. So they all speak ActivityPub. On my Mastodon, as my Mastodon user, I can follow a Peertube account. And if it posts a video, it'll come into my feed. Oh. Yeah. Right. It's not just Twitter-like things working together. It's all of the social things working together. Okay, and is that in the same format? So, at username, at server. Yep. And that's the activity pub yep. address. That's the, yes, exactly. So, yep. let's save it. That's right. Oh, so let's save it. We, <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. Now, because I, I think, I think there's a way to publish from WordPress in activity pub. There is. There's a WordPress plugin. So you can actually, if you run a WordPress blog, you can install this plugin and it will speak ActivityPub. People can subscribe to it in exactly the way they would somebody else's Mastodon feed. So you wouldn't need to be cross-posting your blogs. They just are. They're first-class actors on the network. The same as uh, anything else. Oh, uh, write.as is a uh, another one, which is Medium-like. Oh, is um Again, sort of simple blogging platform. Is micro dot blog uh, Mastodon based? Not Mastodon, but uh, Fediverse based. Activity pub based. Activity pub. Sorry, Activity pub. 
I don't know. <laughs> just seem to recall that being a thing. It might be. That's in- I had a, do you know, that's opened my eyes. That's incredible. So all these different services, mm. I mean, Powerful. Pix- was it Pixel? Pixel Fed. Pixel Fed. Because I have, we, I've been wanting to be able to share cool photos, but I refuse as much as possible to have meta products in my life. Right. I don't have a Facebook account. I'm not going to get an Instagram account. There's some stuff I'd like to see, but I can't. But in a federated world, I can. I don't need an account on those services. If I want to have an account on Bookworm for posting things that I'm reading, which is specifically built around the process of reading, I can do that as well. You know, like I have multiple identities in, in the rest of the internet, but I don't have to, to see what other people are doing. Got you. Um, Funk well for sound and things like that. Because yeah. you've already got a, fed, a federate, Fediverse capable. Of exactly. Things. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I have a, I exist on that network. I have a, a place to, to look at it from. I can have more than one. But yeah, this, I mean, I, I've, I'm harboring a, a half a plan to add something into that ecosystem. I've, um, I, I do a bunch of 3D printing. Okay. And so I don't know if you've ever come across things like Thingiverse or. Yeah, yeah. I built myself a little while ago. I built myself a uh, self-hosted app locally to manage all of the 3D files that I've got lying around because you could never find them and whatever. So it's tagging and displays the thing. It's a bit like a local Thingiverse. We could totally have a federated Thingiverse. I love it. Right? Doesn't matter. I mean, Thingiverse famously falls over every available opportunity, right? So we don't need to. We we can do that in a federated way as well. So I I, I would really like to. Uh, to do that at some point when I, you know, finish one of the many other projects. I, I, I've started way more projects than, uh, than I've ever finished. Oh, so. as a content creator, <laughs> I can absolutely relate to that. I have so many videos <laughs> on the go. Hey, folks, I've actually filmed some stuff today. I've actually filmed some stuff for a YouTube video. There will be a YouTube video coming um, very soon. Or PeerTube. Get on PeerTube. Uh, do you know what? I'm actually genuinely... <laughs> you joke. But it's been no. It's been one of my. It's been one of my sources of frustration. YouTube. I. I'm just going to be really blunt. I cannot. I'm literally about to stab YouTube with a with a um with a very. I can say you're Alan stab the camera there. Well, okay. thankfully the camera's up here. Uh, Alan Key. You know, think, listeners. He's waving an Alan wrench around I, aggressively. Yes. <laughs> YouTube Shorts and the YouTube Shorts platform. Right. The amount of hate and junk and spam on that platform, but mm. if I want to reach people, there is still a you know you still almost have to be on YouTube. But let's get on peer mm. YouTube. This is this is really cool, really cool stuff. If we start to get some scale in here, and I think the Twitter thing is is a, is potentially a catalyst for that. You, you know, you, you come into it, and it, it, there are new concepts, right? People are used to thinking of Twitter as a place that you go, I have an account, I don't need to know anything else. The Fediverse is slightly more complicated. Slightly. You know, pe- people think, oh, it's got a domain on the end of your name. That's weird. Like, it's, it's, it's not that weird. Not Email's really. been doing that for... You've been doing it with email forever. Exactly. <laughs> it's, and the usability is really, really good. And I, I think we will see some adoption. I think what would be really cool is if some of that adoption cascades out to these other types of services as well and starts to break open those because we've got the potential here to i mean it sounds really really twee but to take the internet back to how it was supposed to be 
<laughs> I, no, I like I'm it. A, I'm a terrible aging, middle-aged techno-utopian, right? It was, it was better before it, we've got some, you know, got some bad stuff. Let's work out how to scale it. In my in my day, we used to have IRC servers, yeah, and, and all this, yeah. Right, right. Well, ah, there's another really good example. Actually, it's not uh, it's not Activity Pub, but there's a, a modern. Um, everybody's got too many messaging apps, mm-hmm. right? So there's a a modern federated, uh, oh, uh, conversation platform called Metrics. Yes, uh, which I'm actually finally made the leap onto in the last week. Um, and I have that now talking to, I have one client and it's talking to WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, Slack, even in places. It's, yeah, it's getting there. And okay, everybody hates not knowing what messenger you're supposed to be talking to this person on. It's just protocols, not websites. No more websites. Let's build protocols is... I've been banging on about it for years. Well, uh, you know what? There's this huge thing. You know, Google are slamming Apple over RCS. Well, RCS is a protocol. It's just not a very good one for various reasons. But if we had... RCS? Uh, rich communications, it's mostly in the States. It's not big over here. Uh, okay. It's what Android Messenger is built on. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah, and it's the thing that uh, Google are really trying to push Apple to support. But... Actually, if we had something right. that is... But they want iMessage, of they course. They want iMessage. Yeah. But if all of these could talk to each other, we should be able to be on our whatever instance, whatever platform we want, and be able to talk to each other. I need to investigate Matrix. It sounds like such a great solution. It, it is. It's not as it, it's not quite straight out of the box yet, although um, they do... The thing that's finally got me onto it is the Element 1 plan where you can pay a few dollars a month and uh, have those bridges available to the other services. And it links to IRC for, you know, people who still do that every now and again. <laughs> hey, I, I, I loved IRC. I, you know, I remember a oh, yeah. previous job I worked with, the, one of the co-founders were, just switched our mess, our corporate messaging platform, you know, like uh, internal comms. Almost every other week we would move. I think we moved between IRC, Campfire, there was a phase of that. Yeah. Slack. Oh, yeah, those yes, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, listen, James, thank you so much. This has been a, a genuinely enlightening conversation. We've, you know, we've had a few audio glitches um along the way, folks, but we've we've made it. Now, I would say normally let's get people to sign up to your service, but let's not go and find no. go and find a suitable Mastodon instance and you can go on there and you can follow us. Now, I am JS Billsborough at mastodon.me.uk. Crosswires is currently at crosswires at masthead.social. Yeah, uh, James, do you want to tell people where maybe they can find out a bit more about yourself and maybe your Mastodon stuff? Yeah. I am at floppy at mastodon.me.uk. Come and say hi. Um, if you want to find a server, go to joinmastodon.org, uh, and that lists a whole bunch of different servers around the world that you can go and join. I hope that we'll be able to open up some uh, uh, some more signups, but I think judging the size of a community is yeah. is uh, is one of the really important things. So also one we'll work that out too. one important thing that we should mention particularly maybe on smaller instances, but maybe on larger ones as well. A lot of this will be, you know, you're not paying. There's no payment involved in using a server. 
I, I don't believe. No. So if if you value your instance, do go and support them. I think most instances will have links on how you're going to be able to financially support them. Yes. Yeah, so they all have server costs rapidly increasing yep. sometimes over the course of a weekend. <laughs> Ours has quadrupled right. over the weekend. But all of the servers can support themselves however they want. Right. So uh, we choose to do it through a thing called Open Collective, where people can donate, and that covers the cost of the service, and people have been very generous uh, to do so over the uh, over this influx, so that actually I can say, yeah, okay, we're going to quadruple the server capacity and not worry that it's going to all, all uh, destroy my bank account in the next uh, in the next. No, month. energy bills are doing a good enough job as, of that as it is. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But then I think Mastodon.social, I think, mainly runs off of Patreon, right. things like that. So they're all different. They'll all have their own ways of, of supporting. But yeah, you're not beholden to somebody who owns it, who owes a lot of money to VCs and does not necessarily have your interests at heart. You can know your admin, you can know who is looking after the community that you're part of, and you can own it yourself. And I think that's beautiful. I couldn't agree more. And obviously spending this last hour and a bit with you, I am very, I feel, you know, I'll just be honest, I feel in incredibly safe hands doing, but knowing the... <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Well, I will say that. No, it's it's general. This is a point getting to know the person who's um, who's admin in the server I'm on, but also you've been able to shed a light on stuff. Now, there's so much more we can talk about with Mastodon, but we won't. All I'd say is, don't rush into anything, folks. But it's a great time to join Mastodon, and it is great. Uh, one thing I would just say that I absolutely oh, it's easy to move. Oh yes, if you join one, you can move later. I saw that and. Uh, and you can import and export your followers. There, yeah. there are some services that let you, that as best of their ability, will let you try and pull over your Twitter followers. It's not easy, but there are some services that will let you do that. One thing I'd also say, one thing I really love is um, how easy content warnings are and how easy yeah. um, privacy settings are. So you can do, okay, remember if I'm right here, public just goes out to anyone. Yep. Across the whole federation, um, then there's uh, it's kind of unlisted, which means I think that <laughs> I think that means public, but it won't f- appear in the timeline. That's right. So if someone no, if someone can someone can see it if they find it. Yeah, okay. There's followers only, which is yeah, as it is, and then there's direct because direct messaging on Mastodon is actually a lot easier than on Twitter, and it's a it it flows more naturally. Yeah, it's. I, I think what's really interesting with those is that that is a setting per post. Yes. Right? Um, I can take my Twitter account private, but then everything. Actually, do you know what? I, Twitter might have changed this now. Can you change it on the fly? I don't know. You can do. But, um, you can do but being able to say this, this particular thing. Oh, okay. This particular thing is going to go everywhere. This one isn't. Um, it's very nice. One thing that people are encouraged to do in threads is to post the first one publicly and then make the others unlisted so that it just doesn't, uh, you don't end up halfway through, for instance. I mean, the other thing, of course, is when I, so I asked you publicly, would you like to come on the show? When I then said, oh, you said yes. And I said, help, here's our scheduling link. I set that so that only Mm. you could see it so that I didn't get 20,000 people. Yeah, seamless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. 
Awesome. James, thank you so much. Yeah, and do you know what? I didn't even notice. <laughs> and I didn't need to. That's the point. That's <laughs> the point. It's my decision who sees it. It shouldn't impact your flow. Awesome. All right, James, thank you so much for your time. And we, I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. We can go forever. I Absolutely. Think. All right. Thank you, folks. <laughs> Until the next episode, see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too? Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CrosswiseMG. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. If you'd like to check out more of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos. And keep an eye on our Twitch channel at frostwires.net slash live for our upcoming streams. If you like what you've heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko-fi.com slash crosswires. That is ko-fi.com slash crosswires. Until next time, thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.